Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Rakeem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking about. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. And I don't know the answer to the question. That's why I want to talk about this with y'all. Um, we have a 14th Amendment of the Constitution, one of the most important amendments ever passed. It's had so many different impacts on everything in this country. And the probably least known portion of that has suddenly become very prominent. The uh, The third section of that specifically says that you can't be a member of Congress, a president, an elector, all kinds of things, if you engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States, or if you've given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. And then it gives a provision about Congress can deem you eligible by a two-thirds vote, um, removing the disability. And, of course, this came up after the, you know, the Civil War. You had uh, some Southerners who had been members of the Confederacy or advocates for, and they were going back to Congress, and the Northerners didn't want to accept them, and they put this in. I mean, this was part of the 14th Amendment, and then there were statutes put in place, but that eventually got forgiven. Most of that stuff was allowed in the long run. And even people like Jefferson Davis were posthumously re allowed. If they had been alive, you know, he could have run for president or whatever. So now the claim is president Trump and other members of Congress, you know, also uh, they gave aid and comfort to what was at least in some degree an insurrection on January 6th, but also all of the fighting against the slates of electors and, you know, stop the steal, all of that to stop an election, the peaceful transfer of power disqualifies Trump. It's a, there's going to be an article coming out soon. There's been a lot of discussion about this and I don't know the answer to this question, but the question is, does the 14th amendment disqualify president Trump? And I, I, every time I argue with myself about it, I'm like, oh, I can see why. And now I can say why not. Oh, yeah. So help a brother out. Yeah, the answer is no. This whole thing is goofy. Um, and and I'm, I'm not the legal expert here. Rakim is. But I'm, I'm still I'm just going to say this is goofy. This is a very desperate political ploy. And to me, it, this is just they're, they're desperate to get rid of Trump. I mean, that, that's all this is, is. This is not about protecting the Constitution. This is not about protecting "Quote unquote democracy." This is about making sure that Trump can't run, and there are there, there have already been lawsuits that are being prepared to be filed in Florida, New Hampshire, Arizona. Secretaries of state are already preparing for these legal challenges, and I don't think that they're going to work. If they don't want Trump in office, they're going to have to beat him in 2024. I mean, the, the bottom line is, regardless of what happened on January 6th, they can't prove that Trump incited that or that, that that was even his intention. Even when he was giving his speech near the Capitol, he said to protest peacefully. He very clearly said that. So it's going to be a long way to run to say that he fomented a rebellion, an insurrection. Even the Justice Department, which is, has indicted him twice, has not made that claim. This ain't going to work. So, so maybe so, I'm just too cynical about this. Well, So I actually agree with you. I don't think you can lay uh, the riot at Trump's feet because of the things that he said in the speech. I know other people disagree with me about that, but I think this is a broader question of was there a concerted effort after the election to thwart the peaceful transfer of power by a legitimate election? That's why the, did he know his claims about election fraud were false is such a relevant point because, you know, then he is trying to overthrow the legitimate government coming in, in the Biden administration, maybe not just January 6th, but sort of across the spectrum. 
I think it's a it's a two pronged thing. I think did he do everything they are accusing him of? He did that stuff, y'all. I'm sorry, that's my opinion. I think he did everything they're accusing him of. He absolutely did it. My other part of this argument is where they messed up is the timeliness of it all. When this happened in 2020, they should have did something about it then. They should have brought all these lawsuits then. They should have sued him then. They should have arrested him, indicted him, used the 14th Amendment. All of this stuff they're trying to do now, they should have did at the time because they're not helping their own case and making it appear to be a political thing because they're scared he's going to win. And that's really where they messed up at. If they had did all of this in a timely manner, then they probably wouldn't be getting as much backlash. And if they had taken it as seriously in the moment as they're trying to take it now, then the country, who knows? It's been three years the country could be in a completely different place by now. We could have all been done with Trump a long time ago. But it's the fact that they are using it for this time, which are they wrong for using it at all or exploring this at all? I don't think they're wrong for trying to explore it. I think the timing is bad and it's making it look like a political attack, which is what everybody's criticism is. So they just kind of defeated their own cause by waiting so long and giving fervor, if you will, to that accusation that they're using it politically. And they could very well be because they're scared, um, but they're it not. It looks like it's political because it is political. Impeachment <laughs> 3.0 is all this is a kind of Rakeem's Perhaps. point. Yeah, Basically. I see that. Yeah. Uh, Basically. I have so many thoughts about this. OK, first, I think Amani I suspected you Jeff. might, by the way, you thought I might. Yeah, I think um, Amani and Jeff are right about the political appearances, which is Part of the reason I don't practice anymore. I mean, I think lawyers can be some of those brilliant people and some of the dumbest people around in terms of just <laughs> pragmatic, practical approaches to things. Right. So I was trying to play this out because there's a big sort of uh, intone that all the secretaries of state should prevent him from even being listed on a ballot. And right, I said, OK, right. let's imagine. Or supervisors of elections at the local level. Right. right okay, yeah. So so the Republican states are not going to do that. So, OK, now all the blue states, right, and purple states with blue elected officials do this. Case makes it all the way to the Supreme Court. So then I put my lawyer hat on. I was like, has any person ever been running for election for president, ever been prevented from running for office who was not a Confederate soldier? The answer to that is likely no. I haven't read the article yet, but no. So Supreme Court using history and tradition, which is typically how it evaluates these clauses, says like, no, nah, we don't think it applies here. So Donald Trump gets a victory at the Supreme Court saying he is, in fact, allowed to run for president. After saying that the 2020 election was stolen, he now has election officials around the country who tried to prevent him from even being placed on the ballot. And we think afterwards we end up in a better place. <laughs> we do not. Right. I mean, <laughs> so I. <laughs> oh, you that, made that argument way better that than I've been making it. kind of summarizes yeah. my view of why this is a bad idea. I tried to read a bunch of the different articles and understand what the background was and how it would be interpreted. But I just don't see the court, which has uh, scrupulously tried to avoid being involved in political affairs, right. taking this opportunity when he brings the case to say they struck me from the ballot in New York, Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera, and I should be on those ballots. I don't see this court, I mean, for all of its conservatism, and it, it's done great things on occasion. I don't want to say great things, strike that. It's on occasion, not upset me. <laughs> if it's, if it's Sometimes that's the best you get. Yeah, that's the best I can get. That was great. Okay. 
Um, but I just don't see them, if I'm just trying to put on my lawyer hat, going that far in this particular context. Like They're not going to be the ones to save us. And so if all this is going to lead to is greater distrust in the system, I've been arguing with my friends quite a lot about this, the four prosecutions, et cetera. I'm of the belief, beat him at the ballot box, like extinguish this once and for all. Because all of the doubt that we create, even if he's guilty of everything, right? It's like Richard Nixon, guilty of everything. To Amani's point, he did that, y'all. He did it. He did all of it. But if we result in using prosecution and the legal process to defeat him, I only imagine that the other side is going to start to use prosecution and the legal process to defeat us. And all it will do is cost is create greater havoc in our political system. Now, some folks have told me, Rakeem, we're there already, right? <laughs> they said, we don't know what seat you on on this bus, but this bus is gone. We're already at that point and we need to use every tool available. I hope we're not there. All right. So let me, well, let me, let me, let me make, let me argue with you a little bit, Rakeem. You ready? I think, mm-hmm. I think you'll appreciate this. I totally agree. It is the stupidest thing to even try this because the it'd be terrible to fail and it'd be worse to succeed. Right. It would rip the country even more apart. It would feed all of the, you know, the deep state is out to get me stuff, all of that. Right. And what I mean, in what realistic universe is the Supreme Court, even a conservative court, but any court willing to step into this and make this kind of a decision, even the most loudest cries about activist judges don't believe that a Supreme Court's really going to say, oh, no, you cannot run for president, even though most of the people. I mean, that's just not, OK, I, I totally agree. But we style ourselves, Republicans style ourselves as the party of the rule of law and originalism and the real words in the Constitution. And all of a sudden. We're not going to care about what those words really say and what they might actually mean and how they might really cover something like this inconvenient, annoying, frustrating, and terrible an idea as it might be. Shouldn't we care about what the words on the page actually say? And when I read the words on the page and the analysis, I start to think to myself, I, I, I don't have an answer for this. It's concerning to me. And that brings me to my original point of time. That's where we really went wrong in this whole thing. Because if y'all remember back in yesteryear when January 6th happened, initially Republicans were like, oh, forget this. This is terrible. Oh, my God, I disown him. And the party was about to push him out. And I could have seen them on your side of the things, Andrew, at that time, had they stuck with that mindset, that would have been the time to do it. But again, it's it just looks bad, even if because I, I believe what you're saying, too. It's technically something they could do, right? It's not wrong, but just the timing of it all is only going to help Trump. He's been screaming from the top of his lungs that they're out to get me. They're they're creating stuff. They're trying. It's a witch hunt. Da 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 da. He's been saying all of this. So trying to find yet another avenue to remove him from this opportunity when you didn't already charged him in sixty states and you didn't already charged him with one hundred and twenty crimes. Now you're gonna take it to the Supreme Court and say he can't do this. It doesn't make y'all look good. It makes it look worse. So I think again, y'all should have did this. I'm saying y'all. Like I'm not a Democrat anymore. We, I suppose, should have <laughs> done a little future telling. There is all that is. <laughs> we should have did something about this in 2020. And again, the Republicans too. We, as the American electors or electorate, the Congress folks, and everybody who was involved back then, should have distanced themselves from Trump at that point in time, and then took all of these measures that we're doing now back then. 
But now, unfortunately, like another thing, y'all see like they're trying to do one of his trials is going to start on the first day of Super Tuesday. Yeah, the day before. Right. Yeah. Come on, Mm -hmm. y'all. It's not. I didn't do it. I wonder why. It's not looking great. Stop doing this. I don't don't think Tanya Chuckin was influenced by the fact that it's Super Tuesday. I'm sure somebody cable log later was like, do you know it's Super Tuesday? She probably was like. I did not consult the calendar. Yeah, I mean, four indictments. Fourteenth Amendment effort to keep Trump off the ballot, and they're setting the trial for the day before Super Tuesday. It's it's just too much. This too much. You couldn't smoke. make it up. Like there, there's some fire. Even even it. a good conspirator would not be this stupid at his conspiracy. <laughs> That's how you know it's not a conspiracy, right? No. Anyway, no. <laughs> but let me, but, let me but, offer this, Andrew, in response to what you're saying. Yeah. With um. One, I think even on the literal reading, it's it's a bit tortured. I've tried to read around and understand. I mean, it's just such a deeply contextual mm-hmm. piece amendment that it's just like when um, Congress has attempted to use Article 5 of the 14th Amendment to say like, you know, and we can enforce this in ways we see appropriate. And John Roberts then in the Voting Rights Act cases says like, Let's just remember that that was contextual. The country looked a certain way. It had done a certain thing. As a consequence, Congress was able to essentially um, disempower a section of the country in terms of its ordinary rights. So I'm not sure it goes that far. But what I wanted to put on the table is this conversation I was having with a friend who works on the Hill, who basically said to me, um, we are at one of those stages in our history, like the Civil War, like the Civil Rights Movement, where we actively have to disempower part of the country. That if left to their own devices, just in the same way that we had to turn the South into military districts, we had to basically send in federal troops during the Civil Rights Movement to ensure that there were groups of folks who were just like, we got to bring you along, but you can't vote for this period of time. You just can't do what you're doing. Um, that we're at that stage, that there are just there is a substantial portion of the country that will drag us straight to hell if we do not exercise every possible authority that we have under the Constitution to say we just need to return to regular order. Right. Like the Republicans on that debate stage shouldn't have to talk about whether or not Mike Pence did the right thing. We all agree he did the right thing. Then everybody who thinks he did the wrong thing, you don't get to vote next time. You have to hold off for a period of time until we get to a stage where as collectively as a country, we say, OK, let the crazies be crazy again. See, but that that's that's terrifying to me. I know you're deep. Terrif- yeah, I know. But it should be terrifying to you, too, though, because what happens when that power is in the hands of people you don't like and they want to do that to you? Mm-hmm. Don't think for a second that it can't happen. They're already doing that in the states where they disenfranchise black people all the time. That's the point. These are the same people. <laughs> and that's the that's the sort of retaliatory justification, right? They've done it to us. We'll do it to them or they would no, do no, it to us. We'll do it for them. Well, I, I, in fairness to what they're saying, I mean, I want you to take yourselves contextually and say, like, it's right after the Civil War. Do you just let the South back in after the insurrection happened? You just say, okay, this is a regular mm. order. This is what happened in the Constitution. Or if that's too far, it, maybe go, not back go, then. But well, what's go going the on in the country movement, right? now? Do is you not say the same to the end? No, go to the Civil Rights Movement. Do you say to the entire South, which is just engaged in a broad campaign to disenfranchise and murder Black people, and finally the country summons the political will to say maybe this is bad? Don't do this. And actually, we're going to force you not to do this. 
Well, yeah, because they were violating people's rights. But when we're talking about the election in January 6th and people challenging it and things like that, like that does not rise nearly to the level of saying, okay, y'all can't vote now for a while because we say so. We're going to use men with guns and badges to make sure you don't. And and that's kind of the question behind this particular question, right? right? Like there's there's the whole legal issue and the would it practically work out? And, uh, you know, I think we all recognize it's probably moot regardless um, and a bad idea, even if it's not moot. But the background question is sort of the question they were asking on the debate stage. As you said, Rakeem, if if Mike Pence did the right thing and he did, then the people who were telling him to do something else were doing something fundamentally unconstitutional. They were advocating an unconstitutional action. And if you actively get up and advocate for work for aid and comfort towards an unconstitutional behavior, whether it legally disqualifies you from being the president, isn't that in itself? I mean, doesn't that disqualify you from being president? You know what? I changed my mind. I agree with all of that because that means that Congress, every president wouldn't be allowed to hold office anymore. Maybe we can get get, get rid of the government that way. You know, what? I'm changing my position. <laughs> we, we brought about your libertarian dream state, yeah. full anarchy, all good. Get your AR. And we'll That's take right. care of things on our street. And I'm talking tongue in cheek, but how many unconstitutional laws has Congress passed? How many unconstitutional executive orders have presidents given? I mean, even if you just look but at isn't the there something level, more about elections, isn't I mean, that's what Rakeem's getting. Isn't there something deeper, more fundamental, more prior or meta, whatever you want to describe about just believing in and even the dumbest of things. Right. Do you agree to support the person who wins the election to concede the election to that? He just he balks at that stuff. That's bad. I mean, other than the Civil War, Jeff, this is the first time we have not had a peaceful transfer of power. And even that was peaceful. They just left. You know, it was a whole thing to happen afterwards. But the day of, they were like, all right, you know, got it out what we want. But we left the next day. I don't know. This yeah. feels feels different to me. But I, I agree to take us back so we end in a noble and agreeable place. I think we all agree that this is bad politically. And so let's not let the law professors you know, run the strategy. I love it when the lawyer says, let's not <laughs> let the law professors. <laughs> Fair enough. If you would like to be a part of the debate, email us. The debate at newsweek.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.